You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Tuesday, so it's time for It's My Money with Brentus Wealth, and I'm speaking to the top man at Brentus Wealth, and that's Brian Butchart. And you sent me something, Brian, that, you know, on a, on a day when I was feeling a little bit depressed anyway, you came up with something that didn't exactly lighten my mood. You say South Africa is seeing a spike in emigration for many reasons, but more recently you go on to say this is being driven by changes to the Tax Administration Act, which affects expat South African tax residents and recent proposed amendments on the restriction of retirement funds will escalate emigration further. It is clear, you go on to say, from the implementation and proposal of these capital controls that government is concerned about the mass exodus of capital at a time when tax collections are at their lowest and debt levels at their highest. Some of the recent changes, proposed changes and potential other concerns are resulting in a spike in immigration and a flight of capital to alternative destinations. Not the cheeriest of intros, Brian. It's not, Lindsay. Good afternoon to yourself and your listeners. Thank you. uh, you know, as uh, the late financier, banker and CEO of Citibank, Walter Riston, summed up very well, you know, he said capital goes where it's welcome and stays where it's well treated. And, you know, the definition of capital he referred to is both money and intellectual capital. And, um, you know, government is spending far more than they are collecting in taxes with expected debt to GDP levels at 65% in February this year, pre-COVID now expected to be closer to 80% debt-to-GDP by the end of 2020. Um, And in Tito Mboweni's emergency budget in June, he expected debt-to-GDP to to exceed 100% by 2024 and 114% by 2028. So government is certainly looking to plug a very deep hole, and this is at a time when the tax base is shrinking, Tax collection is at its lowest and debt levels at their highest. And government is spending far more than they are collecting. And the recent tax amendments and proposals aim to squeeze SA tax residents, especially those working abroad, and circumvent those who intend to immigrate and the capital flows which will move with them. Yes. It says here in your first paragraph, your first piece rather, the headline is taxation of expat South Africans working abroad. The previous tax rules allowed expat South Africans to work offshore without any tax liability to the South African Revenue Service, SARS, as long as you were out of the country for more than 180 days, of which at least 60 days were consecutive in a particular tax year. That seems fairly reasonable. What has happened now? Yeah, so, Lindsay, I mean, effectively that's changed. So as from March this year, the the new expat tax amendments uh, will apply, and what that effectively means is any expat um, South African tax resident that is earning one, more than a 1.25 million rand offshore, um, will be liable for tax in South Africa. So the first 1.25 million that you earn abroad is exempt from tax liability to SARS, but okay. any amount over that will be liable to, to SARS in terms of the tax table. Despite the fact that you're living overseas and working for an overseas company or working from a South African company, for a South African company that is domiciled in the UK or has a UK office or a French office or whatever it is, the fact is that you're going to pay double tax. You're going to pay tax in the country where you're living and also tax in the country of your birth, which seems a bit unreasonable to me. Yeah, so look, I mean, just, just to touch on that, I mean, obviously South Africa does have double taxation agreements with a lot of the um, cu- uh, countries that, that, that most South Africans uh, tend to sort of immigrate to. So there will be that double taxation agreement taken into account. But I think maybe just to, to give an example, 
it might make a little bit more sense. If, for example, a South African is living in the United Arab Emirates, for example, yeah. where personal income tax is zero, South Africans there would obviously pay 100% according to the tax tables over the first 1.25 million because of the tax rates in the United Arab Emirates. However, if you're based in Mauritius, uh, where the tax rates are 15%, any amount over 1.25 million is still taxed according to the tax tables, but you, the, the 15% payable in Mauritius would obviously be exempt because of the fact that you've paid that there, so because of the double taxation agreements. In the UK, um, you know, our tax rates are very similar to the UK, so the impact will be far less because of the double taxation agreement. So whatever tax you pay in the UK is offset in terms of what any liability you would have in South Africa. Okay. So it's really the jurisdictions with the lower individual tax rates where expats will be most affected. Mm. Okay. I sort of understand. Paragraph two, proposed three-year restrictions on access to retirement benefits as a result of the tax amendments to expat South Africans working abroad, which led to an increase in emigration. The most recent developments regarding further capital controls by government is the tax law amendment bill, which seeks to restrict a withdrawal of retirement capital for individuals who exit South Africa's tax base until they can prove at least a three-year unbroken period of non-residency. Okay. Again, I sort of understand that, but yeah, three years is quite a long time. It is. And, and you know, I mean, current, if, if, if one compares it to current legislation, so once you've financially immigrated um, and it's finalized with SARS and the Reserve Bank for exchange control purposes, that will allow uh, non-resident taxpayers to withdraw their retirement funds subject to the retirement withdrawal tax tables in ESA and trans- transfer these uh, proceeds to their new residents of choice. However, what they're now proposing, which has never been um, an implication before, a test that was required uh, in terms of being able to access those retirement benefits post-immigration, is that with this recent uh, tax or amendment bill, they're proposing that they'll restrict access to retirement funds until a three-year period of unbroken non-residency can be proven. So this test is proposed to come into effect in March 2021 with anyone finalizing immigration after February next year being subject to these restrictions on retirement capital. So, you know, I mean, effectively, this is another way in which government intends controlling the flow of capital. As a result, we expect immigration applications to spike further between now and March 2021, which will provide government with an immediate source of additional tax, of course, on these retirement benefits being accessed um, by successful immigration applications uh, between now and then. Um, But it also ensures uh, that retirement funds that remain here for an additional three years post-immigration, if you immigrate after March 2021, Um, will effectively um, be used potentially for the prescription of assets, which is another concern that a lot of South Africans are worried about. Well, let's have a look at that now. Uh, Paragraph 3, prescription of assets is the title. Current debt levels and lower tax collection has accelerated government's desire to access more than 8 trillion rands worth of investments across pension funds and amend Regulation 28 in order to prescribe assets under the guise of, uh, in inverted commas, economic reconstruction, growth and transformation, and, again in inverted commas, infrastructure and capital expenditure projects. The second paragraph of this piece says, the ANC has documented an economic reconstruction and recovery plan. How many times have I seen that? Drafted by Cabinet's (laughs) economic cluster, detailing the establishment of a state-owned bank, and so it goes on. 
Yeah, prescription of assets, a very controversial subject. It is, Lindsay. And, you know, I mean, just to put things into perspective, South Africa is spending almost 50 billion rand more monthly than we collect in taxes, which puts into perspective the massive funding hole that government needs to plug. And they need to find the money from somewhere. Um, and, 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 and we all know that the recent loans from the IMF of $4.3 billion and other international funders of approximately $2 billion or an additional $2 billion this year since April will not be sufficient to fund, fund this, this, this expenditure if one considers those numbers. I mean, they're massive numbers. Yeah. Um, so the easiest way to fund government's infrastructure and capital expenditure projects is to prescribe allocation to retirement trustees via Regulation 28 which hasn't, it isn't anything new. This has been spoken about for some time now, but um, it looks like in terms of what we've seen coming out recently, um, you know, with, with the ANC's documented economic reconstruction and recovery plan, that this is now a, a pretty much a foregone conclusion that it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And of course, you know, the biggest retirement investments at risk are your pre-retirement assets, such as retirement annuities, pension funds, provident funds and preservation funds, which are all governed by Regulation 28. Okay, number four, exchange controls. The other potential risk is an amendment to exchange controls to mitigate the risk of continued flows of capital out of South Africa. This has not been reported on, but is a very real possibility. Do you really think that exchange controls could be tightened because of where the rand is? I mean, let's face it, the rand has gone from 14 at the beginning of the year to 19 and a bit a couple of months ago and now still at 17 and a half. Let's let's call it that. It really is a vulnerable currency. I think personally, Brian, putting words in your mouth, is that if we do tighten exchange controls, uh, then the rand will actually weaken rather than strengthen uh, because no money will come in because no one wants to have a country that tells them what to do with their money. So I don't know. What, tell me about exchange controls from Brentos Wealth's point of view. Lindsay, I agree with you 100%. And, and one hopes that they don't go there. And, and I think that you know what they're doing in terms of trying to control capital in other ways and means, which is obviously the taxation on expats and sort of restricting retirement capital leaving sooner uh, if they don't immigrate within a certain period of time. So those are all capital controls or elements of capital controls. Exchange controls uh, would be another uh, sort of route for them to take. But I agree with you. I think that would have a dreadful um, sort of impact in terms of the exchange rates. And hopefully they don't go that route. But, you know, they do have the power to amend the law if, if it is required. And we are seeing a massive amount of uh, funding uh, exiting South Africa for various reasons. Um, and at the moment, I mean, we can all take 11 million rand per calendar year offshore, um, invested, um, you know, anywhere pretty much around the world. And obviously those assets would be taxable based back in South Africa, being, your, um, be, be, being a, a tax residency that's taxed on a worldwide basis. So there's no real sort of, um, you know, benefit for them to do that but as 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 we sort of clearly have seen that you know they do have the power to change that and 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 if you don't have any assets offshore which has certainly helped in terms of and when i say physically offshore i'm talking about in dollars so you know the risk is a lot of clients think with offshore asset swaps that they have offshore allocation and they should be fine but just like the uh, exchange controls that you and I as individuals could take offshore physically via our offshore allowance, asset management companies are restricted in terms of how much assets they can hold offshore. And that's currently 25% of their total assets. And that's how you get accessibility to these offshore asset swaps, which are random denominated. Now, 
if they do, for whatever reason in the future, decide to change that, um, potentially let's assume they bring asset managers allowance down to 10 or 15%, any sort of investor that has offshore assets via that offshore asset swap facility would be forced to bring back those assets mm. pro rata. So, you know, therein lies a, a risk if you don't have physical dollars offshore. So if you take it physically offshore via the Reserve Bank exchange controls, you have no risk of them forcing you to bring that money back. But the offshore asset swaps are definitely a risk if they ever changed exchange controls. What happens if you um, indulge yourself in one of these schemes where you become a, a citizen of, for example, Mauritius or Malta or Cyprus or Portugal? What happens then with the double taxation? You've become a citizen of that country because you've got the passport, you've moved from South Africa. What does that mean? What are the implications tax-wise then? So that would all depend in terms of how how you know, for how long you're going to live in South Africa and how long you're going to be in Malta or Mauritius or whatever the case may be. You're leaving so, the country. You're saying, I don't want to be in South Africa anymore for whatever reason it is, um, and I've become a citizen of one of those countries that I just mentioned because I've given them a pile of cash. Yeah, so usually, you know, in terms of that, you would follow probably an official immigration process. Um, and I think I must just double-check this, but I think, to, I stand to be corrected, I think you have to be out of South Africa for more than 90, uh, sorry, you cannot be in South Africa for more than 90 days of the year. Right. And then you would be considered, um, you know, a Mauritian tax resident from, from that perspective. So if you've right. gone through the process of officially immigrating and you move to Mauritius, you now sort of move all your assets to that country. You tax there as long as you're not in South Africa for more than 90 days of the year, which is effectively three months. Okay, let's, uh, let's sum this up now, because it's a very meaningful discussion we've just had. If you are considering financial emigration, you say, or in the process of the same, your time is running out and suggest finalizing this ASAP as the process takes a few months for approval. So if you're going to do it, if you're thinking about it, if you're serious about it, do it right now. That's what you're saying, Brian. Correct, Lindsay, and that's simply because this is more related to, obviously, if you want to access your retirement funding and you don't want it to be tied here for the next three years post-March 2021, um, which talks directly to that uh, proposal that they've got um, uh, to be signed off at the moment in terms of their tax bill. Mm. Okay, so let's get on with it and uh, speak to Brian Butcher or one of his people at Brenter's Wealth because, yeah, if you are serious, the time is now. Brian, thank you so much for your time. That's Brian Butchart, who's the MD of Brentos Wealth in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.